Welcome to the Rock House Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to grow closer to God and to share Him with others. If you would like to find out more about this church or how you can connect, grow, and go, then be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org. And now, today's message. So in your Bible reading this week, you may have noticed that for whatever reason, you jumped from the book of Kings all the way to the book of Jonah. You went like halfway through the Bible overnight. You're like, what in the world is going on? And what happened is you see our Bible is not necessarily all in chronological order, which means you can read part of it and, it, and it's just like it's happening in historical time, but then you get to other parts and like, wait a minute, seems like this already happened or should have been part of something over here. And that's, that's really what happened. So you got these funny name books, Hackaback, it's, it's, it's a back, but there's a story behind that, Hackaback and Jeremiah and even Jonah that we're talking about this week, the prophets, and the prophets lived and ministered during the time of the kings and the judges, what we read about in Samuel and Chronicles. And so instead of inserting those inside those books, we just tacked them on to the end and you go back and you realize, oh, wait a minute, so Isaiah, he, he existed in the time of Hezekiah. Okay, it's starting to make sense. So we jump from the book of Kings to the book of Jonah this week. The book of Jonah, it just hit me honestly just a minute ago, I didn't realize this, the very first sermon I ever preached in my life, first real sermon, was guess what? About Jonah. But the book of Jonah is this small little four chapter book there in the, towards the end of the Old Testament. And most of us know the story, even people that aren't Christians know the story of Jonah and the whale or the big fish and him spending three days. But it's much more than a fish story. The book of Jonah, like many other Old Testament books, introduced to us doctrine and themes that will come up in the New Testament. For example, you remember when we went through the book of Exodus. And the book of Exodus teaches us all about atonement, about blood sacrifice and atonement for our sins. The book of Ruth, remember what it ta taught us about. It taught us about God's redemption and His redeeming love. Then we'll, we're going to look at the book of Esther, which deals with God's divine providence and putting the right people in the right place at the right time. We're going to talk about Job, which deals with perseverance and even repentance to a certain degree. And then this book of Jonah teaches us all kinds of things. For example, we're going to learn about the resurrection of Christ. Jonah spends three days in the belly of the whale. Jesus will spend three days in the belly of the earth. Jonah teaches us that God has a plan to send people. He has a plan to save people, but He wants to send other people on a mission to get those people saved. He has a plan in place that cannot be stopped. Even when we're disobedient, we'll learn that God's plan is going to carry right on. We're going to learn through the book of Jonah that there's consequences for being disobedient to God. We're going to learn that our God is a forgiving God. He's a gracious and a merciful God. That He is a missional God. That He wants to send His people on mission to seek and to save that which is lost. He wants to save sinners like the Ninevites that we'll read about. He wants to save sinners like me and like you. And when God says go, this is our theme this morning. When God says go, you'd better just go. 
Let's look at Jonah chapter 1. We're going to start at the very beginning, read through part of first chapter. Then we're going to skip around just a little bit. Jonah chapter 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. First thing this morning, when God says go, (laughs) go the right way. Know what I'm saying? When God tells you go this way, just go that way. Don't go the opposite way. See, Jonah was God's man. Jonah was a a prophet. He was one of those guys in the Old Testament that was the mouthpiece of God for God's people. And God tells Jonah to do something unthinkable. He wants him to go to the Gentile capital of the city Nineveh. It's the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And for Jonah, this was a terrible, terrible task. Jonah probably, honestly, he probably hated the Assyrians, they were brutal. They were the enemies of God's people. They weren't Jews. They weren't God's people. Jonah felt like they didn't deserve God's salvation. But here's the thing. Our God loves those kind of people, doesn't he? And thank God he does. And so he tells Jonah to go. But instead of being obedient, Jonah heads a totally opposite direction. Literally, instead of going east towards Nineveh, Jonah goes west just about as far as he can possibly go in his day. And the Bible says that he was trying to get away from the Lord's presence. Have you ever done that? (laughs) We got one liar in the back. Have you ever felt God leading you in one direction, in a certain direction, but instead you do everything in your power to do exactly what God does not want you to do? You think, maybe... Maybe if I just do this, God will leave me alone. Maybe if I work myself to death every day and I get so worn out, I won't even be able to hear God's voice in my life and He'll leave me alone. Maybe instead of going to church or maybe instead of going to the altar, I'll go home and I'll get so drunk or so high that I won't be able to hear God anymore and He'll just forget about me. That's what Jonah tried. The Bible says he went literally as far as he could in the opposite direction that God wanted him to go. The Bible says to flee from the Lord's presence. Here's the problem, folks. There's nowhere you can go that is far enough away that God's presence is not there. There's no hole that you can get in in life that God's presence cannot get to you. You can't run too far. You can't hide from God. And I remember I've dealt with this in my life. A little personal story. I got saved when I was young. I was seven years old when I got saved. And soon after that, I started feeling this uneasiness. This, this, I didn't know what it was. Later on, I would understand it was God wanted me to, to go into ministry. But I was too young at that time to figure that out. But I always had that, that longing or that, that voice telling me there, there's something more than just being saved for you, man. But I tried everything in my power not to to be standing here today. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to learn how to do things. I wanted to see what I could do with my life and accomplish with my life. The only problem was God wouldn't leave me alone. And I was miserable. 
no matter how successful I was in anything I did, I was absolutely miserable because I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. But then finally when I said, all right, God, let's try this ministry thing. Let's try doing this your way. Suddenly I'm more full of happiness and joy and peace. And because here's the thing, you're, you'll never be satisfied with anything in life until you're right in the middle of God's will for your life. And he's not going to leave you alone until you do what he wants you to do. And you go where he wants you to go. And you say what he wants you to say. He made you. So you might as well just listen to him and be obedient. David, King David, we've talked about quite a bit. He said this in Psalm 139. Listen to these verses. David got it, man. He said, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, guess what? You're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me. And the light around me will be night. He's trying to hide from God. He says, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day and darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Where are you going to go to escape the one that made you? You can't do it. So when God says go, just, just go. Just listen. Don't go the wrong way. You can't outrun Him. You can't outhide Him. You can't escape His love for you. If God's calling you to be saved, you can't outrun His love. He'll find you. And if you don't, though, here's the, here's the thing. There's a price that will be paid for disobedience. Let's skip down to verse 4. It says, But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile... Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's, let's cast lots and then we'll know who is to blame for the trouble that we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. Have you, ever, have you ever been Jonah? you ever been that guy? <laughs> then they said to him, Tell us, who is to blame for this trouble we're in? What is your business and where are you from? What is your country? What people are you from? And he answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, What have you done? And the men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he told them. For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Mm. Did you know that disobedience has consequences? That when you disobey God... 
There's a price to pay. Notice how confident Jonah was. He thought that he had outrun God. He was so confident that he'd escaped God's call on his life that he was able to get down into the belly of this boat and go right to sleep in the middle of this storm. Now these sailors, they knew storms and they realized this was no ordinary storm. This storm had to be the hand of some God. They didn't know the real God, but they were seeing what he could do in this moment. But Jonah thought he'd beaten God, that he had somehow outrun the hand of divine providence. But like we said, you can't do that. Wherever you go, God is there. Right in the middle of what's probably the Mediterranean Sea, God was there. And God sends this storm because of Jonah's disobedience. But here's the thing. God wants to save the people of Nineveh. And God wants to use Jonah to do that. And so when mankind is disobedient to God's plan, guess what? God sends storms like this to accomplish the plan that He already has in place. You see... It's the storm that's going to remove Jonah from the direction he's headed and get him back on track the way that God wants him to go. The storm is going to get Jonah into the sea. And when he's into the sea, that's the place where Jonah is totally broken. He's helpless. He's hopeless. He is totally at the mercies of God Almighty. Have you ever found yourself in that position? where you've tried to do everything you can, you've tried to uh, shut God out, you've tried to run from God, and suddenly all your, your life just comes crashing down around you because God basically has to just smack the tar out of you and stop you dead in your tracks. Don't go that place unless you have to. I've heard from so many people, it's the same story over and over. They say, I was running from God, I was lost, I was on my way to hell, wouldn't go to church, wouldn't listen to the Lord, wouldn't get saved, all this stuff, and suddenly this happened. Whatever storm it was, this happened. And preacher God, I've heard it a thousand times, God had to put me flat on my back so the only thing I could do was look up. Have you ever heard that? But here's the thing. Here's where our God is gracious. Yeah, He had to get Jonah out of the boat and into the sea. But our God sends a fish. Must have been a big fish. But God sends a fish, and we think that this fish is, is part of Jonah's punishment. He's got to spend three days in the belly of this fish. That's weird, that's nasty, probably scary. And it is part of his punishment, but the fish, man, the fish was God's grace saving Jonah from the sea. If God hadn't sent the fish, Jonah would have died and drowned right there in the middle of the sea, trying to run from God. But that fish is a reminder that our God never fails. His love never fails. His grace never fails. And while disobedience has dire consequences, God's plan will be accomplished one way or another. His plans. See, Jonah didn't even want these people saved. He sure didn't think they'd get saved. But God's plans are greater than we can ever even begin to imagine. There is a potential in each and every one of us because of God, not because of us, but there's a potential that God has in every one of us that is so much greater than we ever dreamed possible. God can use each and every one of you like you never thought could even happen. I thought about when God told me and my family to go. Here. Five years ago. And for us, it was, it was a weird move, I'll be honest. 
I've told the story before, some of you may not have heard it, but for us, five years ago, we basically had the opportunity to go anywhere in the country we wanted to go. It was like a fresh start, and we looked at a lot of places, and we were excited, and suddenly God says, hey, I want you to go to Leslie County. I want you to go to Rock House Baptist Church in Leslie County, Kentucky. I thought, God, that sounds kind of weird. But what's all right? We'll go. And I thought this week, what if we hadn't? And I'm not saying that we're that great or anything, but the group that was here, and y'all know who you were, when we came together five years ago and we said, we're going to do whatever God wants us to do. And we're going to reach people. And we're going to share the gospel. And we're going to be a, a, a lot here in Leslie County. What if we had said no? What if we'd just been disobedient? Said no, we're going to keep doing what we've always done. Who wouldn't be here today? That's what I've thought about. Where would you be, Brad? <laughs> Kathy? Brian? You realize over the past five years, we've baptized somewhere between 130 and 140 people in this church. But what if we as a church had said, no, we're not going to do it your way, God. Not only are there consequences in your life for your disobedience, but as a Christian, there are eternal consequences for others when you're disobedient and you don't do what God wants you to do and you don't share the gospel and you don't tell others about Jesus. I'm reminded of one of my favorite little verses, Jeremiah. God says, For I know the plans I have for you. The Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. And then he says this, he says, you will call to me and come and pray to me. We've done that, haven't we, church, over the past couple years? And God says, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I'll tell you what, I'm proud of you. I thank you for your obedience as a church because we've called out to God for a lot of folks and God has listened and he's answered so we must be obedient when God says go because there are consequences. But on the flip side, here's the thing. On the flip side of that, obedience can bring about such incredible blessings, man. So God, here's a long story short. God rescues Jonah, right? He sends the fish. He spends some time in there. That's, that's, that's bizarre. Then the, the fish vomits Jonah out. And he's saved. And, and here's what happens. God gives Jonah the exact same command a second time. He doesn't even say, sorry about the fish, dude. He says, go to Nineveh, man. What are you thinking? Gives the exact same command. And this time, <laughs> Jonah's obedient. And so he goes to Nineveh and he preaches, not God's grace. They don't even tell him to repent. He, he's so mad. All he does is preaches God's judgment. He says, folks... Forty days, God's going to kill every one of you and destroy this place. But God uses Jonah's attitude and he uses his message and something incredible happened. Look at over in chapter 3, starting in verse 6. It says, When word reached the king of Nineveh, 
He got up from his throne. He took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Sackcloth and ashes is a sign of repentance and mourning. Each must turn, must repent from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. And here's the kicker. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. Here's what I want you to get out of this. Thank God that they repented. But Jonah may not have had the greatest motives when he went and preached God's judgment in Nineveh. He may not have even had the greatest abilities. I think Jonah had a lot of problems, just to be frank. But he didn't even want to be there. He didn't want to be where God had brought him. He didn't want to see these people saved. But the point is, only thing that God needs from you, what are you going to give God anyway? What do you have to offer Almighty God, the only thing God needs from you is your obedience. He don't need your ego. He don't need your talents. He doesn't need all your knowledge or your charisma or this great personality. He doesn't need you to be the best or the most qualified. He, just, he doesn't even need you to be ready at this time. He just needs you to say, yes, God, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And God will do the rest. So you see, Jonah, honestly, folks, Jonah was not fit for this task to go and preach to these 120,000 Ninevites. He wasn't. If, we, if Jonah came in our church and wanted to preach, we'd be like, mm -mm. you need to go see, the, see a doctor, man. You're, you're off. Exactly. Jonah hated... These people, partially rightfully so, the Syrians were brutal to the Jews. They were his enemies. But God sent Jonah into the darkness, to the heart of darkness, to demonstrate God's love and his grace, not just for the Ninevites, but for all of mankind. And the Bible in chapter 4 tells us that the entire city, like I said, more than 120,000 people repented from their sins and turned to God. And you know what? Here's why Jonah was messed up. Jonah wasn't even glad they got saved. Matter of fact, Jonah said, God, I, I wish you'd just kill me for this. He became suicidal because all these people got saved. His enemies got saved. He said, God, just... This is so awful. I don't want them to go to heaven. Just take me out. It's really how the book ends. But you look at Jonah. You think God can't use you? 
a suicidal preacher, a suicidal prophet that was disobedient to God, and 120,000 people repent and turn to God, and you think God can't use you? Gosh. You can't even begin to imagine what God can do through one obedient follower. In 1870, I love this story. A man by the name of Peter Milne. Peter Milne was an unknown Scottish minister. And he sensed God's call to go to the mission field. And he went into the darkness, one of the darkest places in the world, this little island in the South Pacific, so far away on the other side of the world from Scotland. And God sent him there into this place where basically they had killed every other missionary that ever came. And he knew that going into this. And he said, that's okay, God. I've died to myself already. I'll go to this place. I'll witness to these people for the next 54 years of his life. He shared the gospel. He lived with these people. He loved on these people. And when he was an old man and he finally died 54 years after going to this little island in the middle of nowhere, here's what the people said about him. They took him to the middle of their village and they buried him in the middle of their village and they wrote on his tombstone, when he came, there was no light. (laughs) But when he died, there was no more darkness. How would you want that to be your life story? When he came, there was no light. But when he left, (laughs) there was no more darkness. See, that could be you. You could carry that story onto somebody's doorstep. And they could be in the darkest place in their life. And when you walk up to their door, they could say, man, when you came, it was totally dark. But when you left, no more darkness. That's what we're called to do. Because that's exactly what Jesus modeled for us, Matthew picked up on this. He said, The people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And if you're living in that darkness today, and you know if you are because there's nothing that's more oppressive than the darkness. If you're living in the darkness today, here's the thing you can come into the light because of what Jesus Christ did for you. That he came out of heaven into our dark world and not only became the light of the world, but he came our Savior by dying on Calvary's cross for our sins. And because of that, you can get out of that dark hole that you're in this morning and come into the light. But if you're a Christian, (laughs) your task is a little more pressing. Here's our final point this morning. You're supposed to take that light of Jesus, and you're supposed to be the light of the world, because God is still saying go. I believe that Jonah is just a preview from the Old Testament of God's missionary nature. You see, before this, God's people in the Old Testament, they were supposed to be separate. They were supposed to be an example, a model, a holy people. But they would let people in if they would conform, but they were set apart, sacred But then God does something weird. He says, Jonah, I want you to leave your people and go to the darkness. And it's a preview, a forerunner of the way that God would tell his church to go into all the world in the New Testament. And just like God told Jonah to go, 
Our command is still the same. I think the great mission of Jonah has now become the great co-mission of Christ's church. And you all know this. Say it with me, Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. Jonah's mission has become our commission. Where we are supposed to carry the light into the darkness. And I'm telling you today, God is not looking for your abilities. He's not looking for your talents and all these things that you bring to the table. He's just asking you to be obedient this morning. He wants to use the ordinary to do some extraordinary things. He wants to use the Rock House Baptist churches of the world to start a revival and to start a wildfire that spreads like nobody's ever seen before in history, I believe. He wants to use the nobodies to reach the everybodies. Why? So he can get the glory. It ain't about what we can do. The Apostle Paul got this. I want to read this to you real quick. Paul said, instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Amen? And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that as it is written, let no one who boasts, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The question for you this morning is, will you be obedient? God's saying go, will you go? Will you go wherever it is God's calling you? Will you go to the person that God's calling you to, whether it's your neighbor whether it's your family member, whether it's your co-worker or it's your friend, and just let them know that there is a God that loves them. Maybe God is calling some of you in a different way this morning. Maybe God's calling you to come instead of go. And you need to come to the altar this morning and turn it over to Jesus. Maybe you've tried outrunning the Lord. Maybe you've tried to fill your life with everything that you can imagine to try and numb that voice of God in your life. Guess what? He's calling you again this morning. And the the greatest decision you'll ever make is to just come and turn it over to Him. You can't outrun Him. You can't escape Him. And you'll never regret giving your life and heart to Jesus Christ. Stand with us. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus for us. Lord, I know many of us have tried to run away from you as fast and as hard as we can. We've tried everything this world has to offer, but still we find ourselves feeling empty, lost, and hopeless. 
God, this morning, I pray that someone, someone would find peace. That someone would find the joy that they've been longing for, the, the fulfillment that they can only find that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, so many of us carry around this baggage of guilt and shame, and we're just, we feel like there's no way God could love us. Lord, I pray that you break those chains this morning. Let somebody feel that love for the first time here today. And God, some of us Christians, we've been trying to put you off too. We know that you want to use us. We know that you have a calling on our life, God. And I just pray this morning that we would find the courage just to say, Yes, God, wherever it is you're leading me, I'll go. Whatever it is you're calling me to do, I'll do it. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for being with us today. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.